You're listening to a message brought to you by Christian Life Church Hereford. If you would like to find out more about us, go to www.clch.cc. Good morning. Morning. Today is a good day. Today I've been married 29 years to the man at the back there, the best man in the world. (laughs) Yeah. 29 years. Where's that gone, hey? Anyway, I know I don't look old enough. (laughs) So um, today we're starting our series. If those of you who were here last week, um, we were looking at the the vision of the church and the four main things. Um, And today we're looking at the first of those, which is God-centered, which is the best place to start. I think, because everything we are and everything we do is God-centered. So um, if we just put that first slide up, this is what the statement of our church is. We believe faith in Jesus enables us to become God's children and put him first in our lives. God gives us his word, the Bible, to instruct us and his spirit to empower and lead us. We seek his presence in all that we do. Amen. What a good statement that is. Eh? Um, so the message of the Bible is God-centered. It's not about me or us, essentially. There's lots in it for us, but the message of the Bible is all about God. God always has and always will come first. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. Isaiah 45 verse 5 says, I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. There is none like God. Amen. He is above and beyond anything we can imagine. And Romans eleven thirty six says, for from him and through him, And for him are all things, all things, to him be glory forever. So everything has come from him and he's made everything through him and it's all for him, for his glory. It's amazing. It's amazing. But as humans, our natural sinful way of thinking is very, not God-centered, but self-centered and I don't think you can look far in the world today and see how self-centered the world is it's so blatant and um, I was thinking you know over the last hundred years um, how far we've come in so many things you know Um, cars planes space travel the internet mobile phones. I mean, who would have thought 20 years ago that we could do everything on this, rightly or wrongly? If you've got a teenage child, wrongly. But (laughs) anyway, um, so yeah, what amazing advances. Um, Entertainment, you know, do you remember when you'd wait for the Christmas film to come on and you'd have your Maltesers and that was a big highlight. Everybody would sit around. Now you can watch whatever you want, whenever you want. 
um, in all the rooms of the house. You can have different things going on, you know. And um, again, I don't think that's right, but it's an advance, an advancement, excuse me. Um, medical advances, you know, praise God for medical advances, scientific advances, educational advances. But on the other hand, look how, what a mess we're in. <laughs> A hundred years on, or two thousand years on, or whatever, um, you know, there's, there's such a negative effect that these advances have brought with them. Look at marriages; there's more breaks up in marriages than there's ever been. Family breakdown, the loss of importance of family, and and what that means, and the sanctity of marriage, and mental health problems. How many? I mean, it's just incredible in schools the amount of mental health issues there are as well as all ages um and an increase in immorality and crime you know it's a bit of a downer isn't it anyway <laughs> it's not good and but could all this be happening because god isn't center do you, I, I love, I haven't put this down, but I've just thought of that um, story of in the Second World War when Winston Churchill called the nation to pray and there was a turnaround, wasn't there, in the war in, and um, the victory that we, we had. Um, and can you imagine now our Prime Minister calling us to prayer to the one God? I can't imagine it. Can I? Pray God that it will happen. But, you know, we've lost that sense of God being center. And society either sidelines God and says, yeah, God, you're there, but you're nothing to do with politics. You're nothing to do with education. You're nothing to do with marriage or whatever. Um, or it looks at the wrong gods, like, you know, all different religions or money or, you know, fame, the wrong gods. Or it just blatantly says, God, you don't exist. You're not, you, you're, and laughs at the people that do believe that. How many comedians are so uh, derogatory about God? Um, really makes me cross. Anyway, and instead society is glorifying itself. And the main question is, what's in it for me? But, and it's a big but, <laughs> The church of God is called to be different. The very core of the gospel through which we're saved is God-centered. We know that we don't become Christians because of anything to do with ourselves. None of us is good enough. None of us is great enough. None of us has enough potential to be a Christian. It's through the grace of God. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were lost, while we had nothing to give, Christ died for us. Our salvation is Jesus God-centered. It's completely based on the grace of God. Hallelujah. And being God-centered is also the core of what it means to live as a Christian. So when we come to Christ, we lay our lives down, don't we? And we submit to God and we say, your will be done, not mine. Be Lord of my life. We were singing this, this morning, may the king of my heart, he's the king of our lives. 
And day by day, God does a work in our hearts through the Holy Spirit so that we become more and more God-centered and less and less me-centered. But it's so easy for that self-centered way of thinking and living to creep even into our Christian walk as individuals and in the church as well, because we're so, it's all around us, isn't it, to think about you. (laughs) You are number one. And it's so hard not to let that creep in. Being self-centered is how we're wired. So we need to constantly realign and reorientate ourselves around God's word. Romans 12 verse 2, you know this well, probably. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. His way is best. (laughs) You know, we forget that. We think our way is best often, but God's way is best. And we need to renew our mind to think the way God thinks. And that that's foundationally what it is to be God-centered. And what does that mean? What does that mean day to day? It means being with him, knowing his presence in our lives, walking with him, talking with him in every area of our lives. When we're at work, you know, when I'm testing somebody's eyes and it's really tricky, I can call on God. He's my father, you know. When you're at school, when you're at college, when you're in a home in a difficult situation, we can call on God. He is the center of our lives. It means um, having a God-centered view of life. And that influences our thinking, the way we feel, the way we behave, and our beliefs. Everything God-centered. If we were a stick of rock... We would have God going through the middle, not South End on Sea, but God going through the middle of us. Because we're made in the image of God. Just think about that a minute. You are made in the image of God. That's amazing, isn't it? We are created in his image. And the purpose, our whole purpose, your main purpose in life is to reflect him to the world around us but in no way does that mean we're equal to him we are in his image we're reflecting him but we don't rival him he is infinitely greater than us his ways are infinitely higher than ours but we have the wonderful privilege of being called children of God How amazing. You know, this incredible God who's far beyond our thinking, you know, is our father. We've sung it this morning. You know, we are loved by him. That's who we are. Um, But it's only because of the work of Jesus on the cross that that's who we are. You know, we are his children are loved by him because of Jesus. Um. Any gifting that we have, any good character traits, anything good about ourselves is a gift from God. And all the glory goes to him. We sing that song, it's your breath in our lungs and we call out your praise, we sing out your praise. Even the breath in our lungs is a gift from God. We even just 
him keeping us alive is a gift from God every day. Amen. You know, he, he is the one that sustains us. It's nothing to do with us. He is. Yes, we can take um, responsibility for our health and, and make right choices, but it's God that sustains us. It's by the grace of God we are what we are. So each day when we wake, we shouldn't be thinking or saying, what can I get out of today? How is it going to benefit me? But, but what we should be saying is, what will please God and bring him glory today? And that's what Jesus did, wasn't it? Every time he prayed, he was like, not my will, but yours. He went around doing God and bringing, doing good and bringing God glory. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, even your eating, <laughs> for the glory of God. Um, whether you're changing nappies, whether you're running after kids, you know, whether you're, um, I don't know, all the humdrum things that we have to do, um, whatever it is, do it for the glory of God. Not for what you're going to get out of it, but for his glory. And that will transform your, the way you think. Um, and just want to, can we put up that Psalm 34, verse 8 from the Message Bible? So I read this, it was amazing. So it says, open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. Worship God if you want the best. Worship opens doors to all his goodness. Amazing. Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. Worship God if you want the best. Worship opens doors to all his goodness. See, being God-centered, which is worship, means enjoying him. You know, I think it's not that kind of, I must be God-centered, I must be God-centered, I must be God-centered kind of thing. I mustn't think about that, I mustn't think about that. No, it, it's, it's a joy. It's, it's, we were created to enjoy God, to love him, to just love being in his presence, um, to revel in him, to marvel at him. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, I ought to be this. It's no, just relax and let yourself enjoy him. That's what in, in being God-centered is. We sang this morning, he calls us deeper still into love. That's what he's doing this morning. He wants to be center in your life because he loves you and he wants you to love him. Jesus said paradoxically that the best thing you can do for your life is to lay it down and deny yourself. Because that doesn't mean going about like Eeyore, being all uh, miserable, thinking about all the things we're missing out on. You know, if I wasn't a Christian, I could have so much more fun. Or I would have been able to do that. I would have been able to do that. No, we're not focusing on what we're missing out on. Because 
we should be the happiest people on earth. Because in laying down our lives, we found eternal life and life in all its fullness and its abundance. So to refuse to follow Jesus and put him first is to deny yourself the greatest imaginable joy. And I think those of you who know God can say that. You know, sometimes we forget it, if I'm honest, I do. And it can all be a bit hard work sometimes. But God wants to bring that, us back to that place of him being central so that we can just enjoy him. And um, that overspills into the rest of our life. Um, I just want to put up a quote from C.S. Lewis, good old C.S. Lewis. He, he wrote some um, tough stuff sometimes, but it's all good. He said, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he can't imagine what, it, what is meant by a holiday by the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We settle for second best sometimes, don't we? You know, what do we, what do we run to for our enjoyment? What do we... Um, what satisfies us? What makes us feel better? It needs to be God, ultimately, putting him first. We don't want to be kids playing in the slum when we can have the most fantastic holiday by the sea. Worship is putting God first. Yes, worship is words and song, but it's also our thoughts, our speech and our actions. And I'd say, and it's not just because I love worship and I lead worship and I'm biased, but I would say that worship is our main aim because we want to put God first in everything that we do. And that's worship. Worship is making the right choice, doing what God says, not what everybody else is doing. Worship is choosing to obey my husband when I don't want to. Choosing is, worship is, you know, putting other people first. Worship is um, making that sacrifice of praise when I really don't feel like it. Worship is putting God first in everything. Um, John Piper, let me put that one up. Um, this was, he was talking in this sermon about missions and about how important missions are and reaching the lost. But he says this at the beginning, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Might be controversial. Worship is. Mission exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When, the, when this age is over and countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God. Hallelujah. Missions will be no more. There'll be no need. It is a temporary necessity. We need to tell people about Jesus so that they can worship him forever. Worship abides forever. That's being God-centered. So I just want to look um, just briefly at four ways we can put God first and be God-centered and have that God going through our stick of rock. Um, the first is 
in our estimation of ourselves. And we've spoken, touched on this already. Um, but Colossians 1, 16 says, for in, him, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. That's Jesus. All things are for him and through him. And we looked at Romans 11 earlier, but 35 to 36 says, Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? God owes us nothing. He owes us nothing. There is nothing um, that deserves his love in us. He owes us nothing. But through his grace and his mercy, he's given us all things. For from him, here it is again, and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory. Everything I have and am is by the grace of God. We belong to him. We are his treasured possession. God isn't something I attach to my life to make it better. You know, he's not an add-on. We are his children, so we submit to him, not as a reluctant slave to a master, but as a joyful child to his all-loving father. That Yes, we submit to him in awe and wonder and reverence, but most importantly, in love and relationship. As we humble ourselves, God raises us up. There's that other paradox again. James 4 verse 6 says, that is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. As we, as we humble ourselves before God and say, God, we need you. We need you so much. He lifts us up and we are made sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I can stand with my head held high with all the authority that Jesus gives us because of him. Not because of me, but because of him. And that's an amazing thing to grasp hold of. Number two, so put God first in your uh, estimation of yourself and put God first in your plans. Whatever is on your to-do to -do, to -do list, Put God first. Well-known Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Trust is putting God first in all your ways. So in your home, in your marriage, in your family, in your church, in your school, in your college, in your work. Put him first. Trust him with all your heart and he will make our path straight when we do that. It might not be the path you would have chosen, but it will be the best path because you'll be in the perfect will of your father. He is perfect in all of his ways. 
He is perfect in all of his ways. We've sung that this morning. So his ways are the best ways for your life. Trust in him in every area. And thirdly, put God, this big one, put God first in your fears. I've, I've had to struggle with fear this week a lot. So something happened and it, it has put fear, it had put fear in my heart. Um, a fear of tomorrow, a dread of what the next day might bring. Have you been in that ever? That and then this kind of in your pit of your tummy, there's this, feels like you're going to take your piano exam every minute of your life. <laughs> it's just that dread. And circumstances can do that to us sometimes. But I was in the middle of preparing this and um, struggling, if I'm honest, because of this all going on. And um, I listened to a Louis Giglio podcast, who's great. If you ever get a chance to listen to him, it's really good. And he said this, when you're letting any circumstance dominate you in fear, it shows that you're not putting God first. You're putting something or someone else first. I'll say that again. When, when you're letting any circumstance dominate you in fear, and fear does that, doesn't it? It, it engulfs you. It clouds your thinking. It kind of, yeah, it's like a darkness that can come on you. It shows that you're not putting God first. You're putting something or someone else first. And I was so challenged by that. Um, and he quoted 1 Peter 5, 6 to 7, which is one of my favourite verses in the Bible. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Isn't that wonderful? We can humble ourselves before almighty God, God's mighty hand, and he will lift us up in due time, in his time, maybe not our time. My time would be right now, do it now. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore, God, but it's in his time. He's, he is perfect in all of his ways. Um, and we can come to God in humility, trusting fully in him, casting all my cares on him, then at the right time, he will lift me up. God knew that we would put things before him and that we would be afraid. And how do we know he knew that? Because 365 times in the Bible, he says, fear not, don't be afraid. Fear not, don't be afraid. Fear not, don't be afraid. We need to hear that. I need to hear that. Um, yeah, we need to pick. Put God first in your fears. Um, and then fourthly and lastly, put God first in your expectations. When we don't put God first, it's easy to look around, isn't it? We only need to listen to the news or watch the news or look at circumstances closer to home, globally, and we can become quite depressed <laughs> because things aren't going well. Um, can look hopeless. It can look hopeless and we can feel hopeless. But 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says, we live by faith, not by sight. 
We live by faith, not by sight. So how I am should not be affected by what I see. How I am is affected by what I believe and having God centrally in my life. Easy to say, not so easy to do sometimes, but God in his grace brings us back to being God-centred, saying, I'm trusting you, God. When we put God centre stage, we're believing that he is in charge of everything. He is in charge of my life. He is in charge of this nation. He is in charge of your family. He is in charge of this world. He is in charge of the universe. God is in charge. So things might be bewildering, confusing, disappointing, tough. But God is able. He is the God of eternity. He sees the beginning from the end. He is on the throne and he has a plan. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. God has a plan and he will bring it to completion. Um, so I just, just want to draw to close by just looking at a passage in scripture. Again, one of my favourite stories in the Bible. And it's in 2 Chronicles 20, which you might know already. And it's about a, a king called Jehoshaphat. Who's what, he was one of the good kings. He was a good guy. Um, and he'd already done lots to bring the nation of Judah back to worshipping God. You know the stories of all the kings and they all did all stupid stuff. But um, Jehoshaphat brought, brought people back to God and looking to him. So this has happened. And then this bad situation happened. So the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Meunites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. So it wasn't good. This vast army was coming, greatly outnumbering the people of Judah. And what does it say? It says Jehoshaphat was alarmed. He was alarmed. He was scared. He was petrified. So he was a good man of God. But that didn't make this situation any less. It was a real situation. And he was scared, alarmed. Jehoshaphat, what did he do? He was scared. But what did he do? He resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. So he was scared but he looked to God. Jehoshaphat was an incredible king who did great things for God, but he was terrified. This was a real battle, a real situation. He faced calamity and disaster. And what did he do? He turned to God. And then he, he says this prayer. And at the end of the prayer, read it when you get home, maybe um, 2 Chronicles 20, because it is an amazing story about the power of God the power of prayer and putting God first. But that last line in his prayer is one that I say quite a lot. And I think it's one of the best prayers of the Bible. He says, we have no power to face fast. We have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. 
saying, God, we can't do this. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And so many times I've prayed that, God, I don't know what to do. I have no power to face this situation, but my eyes are on you. I'm going to look to you. And if you read the rest of the story, it has a good ending. God shows up and he caused the armies to fight each other and slaughter each other. And the, it, that happens because Jehoshaphat and Judah are praising God. So as they're praising, the enemy is defeated. As they're putting God first, the enemy is defeated. When we, and verse 29, right at the end of the story, it says, The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. When we put God first and God shows up and works and does a miracle, other people will notice. Other people will see that, yes, it's been a tough situation, but God has shown up and God has worked in your life. And they'll want the same. They'll want the same. So that sort of a whistle stop tour of what being God-centered is. But I just want us to respond um, because it's easy to say all this, but it's hard. Life can be hard, um, but the answer is to put God first. Um, where's this t- Tim, can you come up? Ready? So we're going to, Tim's going to sing a song in a minute just to minister to us. But just before he does that, I just just want to recap and really just perhaps close your eyes and, and just let's respond to what God wants to do in our hearts. And the first thing is putting God first. You know, that might be the first time that you've ever done that. And if you if it is, Praise God, because it will be the best thing you have ever done in your life is to put God first. If you need to talk to somebody afterwards, they would love to pray with you about putting God first in your life and saying, God, I can't do it. I need you. Be Lord, be King in my life. It might be that you've slipped away a little bit from putting him first. Um. And that can happen with all of us. You need to say once again, God, be Lord in my life. Be the centre of all of my life. Maybe there's an area of your life that you're holding on to, that you don't want to let go of. Let God be Lord in every area of your life. Every area needs to come under his lordship. Maybe you need to put God first in your plans. Maybe you haven't and things have got a bit messy, come to him. Come to him. Through his grace, he will bring you back. He will bring you back and he will put you on the right path, which is the way that he has for you. Maybe you've got some huge decisions to make. Sometimes we have major life-changing decisions to make. Maybe there are just small decisions that you've got to make. Put God first. Let him be. Lord, say, God, what's your will? What's your will in this? And this is a big one, I think, for some here. Maybe you're overcome with fear. Maybe 
it's taken a hold of you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him. Submit to him and know the peace that only he can bring. You are not a slave to fear. You're a child of God and he loves you with an everlasting love. Thank you, Jesus. I just really believed this morning that God wants to speak to those with fear and anxiety. Cast it all upon him because he cares for you. And maybe, lastly, you've known disappointment. Maybe you're a bit disillusioned, a bit bitter, a bit sceptical. Let God come in and be central and bring you fresh hope and expectation. He is on the throne. He has a plan for your life. Hallelujah. So, Lord, we just want to come to you now. You know our hearts. You know where we struggle in not putting you first. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that we can run to you now. And you take us and you envelop us in your love and you hug us and you say, it's okay. Let me be Lord. Let me be central. Let me be your father and lead you and guide you in the ways that I have for you. We come to you, Lord. We submit to your lordship and to your fatherhood. Say your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name.